Hi there, I'm Indy Wood, and this is The Local Update. This is a weekly podcast looking at local issues, events, and personalities from around the Bega Valley. And this week, well, COVID has perhaps caused us all to slow down a little bit and look inward, look at the community that we are based in and see what we can do together to make life better. My guest this week is David Winkworth. David was the founder and now co-editor of the Kalaroo and District Newsletter, a monthly newsletter looking at things going on around the Kalaroo and Tarthra region. And I'll also be joined, as I am every week, by my regular contributor, Graham Farrell. This week on the program, Graham's been back in Bega Valley Shire Library. And this time he was looking at collections of Australian poems. And among what he found was a poem that mentions a name well known in the Bega Valley, Manning Clark. And another poem that Graham's kids and I would relate to very well, being kids from the Steiner School. And those of creative parents. The first poem I'm going to do is from the Best Australian Poems 2010 edited by Robert Adamson. Now, he's a poet in his own right. Um, Black Ink is the publisher. And I'm having a look at a museum poem on page 100 by a gentleman called Kevin Hart. Now, down the back of the book, it tells me a little bit about Kevin Hart. His most recent books of poetry, this is 2010, are Flame Tree, Selected Poems, Blood Axe, 2002, and Young Rain, Giramondo, 2008, and Morning Knowledge is forthcoming, Notre Dame University Press, 2011. He teaches at the University of Virginia. They're usually quite interested in Australian poems over there. But I rather like this one, The Museum of Shadows. You'll find it in the dingy part of town. Its thermostat is always set way low to limit time that's spent with all that dark. Old folk are quickly weeded from the line. Umbrologists have glowing labs inside, machines that catch rare shadows from the past the shadow of an angel's trembling wing while waiting for the virgin's yes or no. And there's a hall of oddball shadows too. Renaissance lords who had their shadows sit late afternoons while lazing back with wine. There's portrait swagger over ten feet tall. Go see a silhouette of Genghis Khan or Vlad bent over working on a spike. A Japanese at home, inside a wall. Go see young Cleopatra's nose, or else... The Hall of Modern Shadows, nearly done. 
Curators go from door to door with knives that cut a shadow free. My worthy friend, soon you may feel a cold blade at your heel. I'll come back to um, 2010 in a minute, but I'll move on to 2015. There are so many good poems in here. Um, also published by Black Ink. This particular edition was edited by Jeff Page, who's a poet in his own right as well. And this time I'm looking at just one poem that caught my eye. This is, um, well, Apotheosis by Association. That's not what it's called. That's a saying that my brother had to explain. Some things about name dropping. This one's called Historian. It's on page 21. It's by a gentleman called Ron Hurd, and he enjoys a life in Brisbane among the heat, rain and roof possums. He cares for an adult disabled son and edits The Mozzie, an independent poetry magazine that publishes over 400 poems a year. I don't know if he's still doing that. His most recent publication is a verse novel. The Shadow of Troy, Gin and Terror Press, 2011. We've quoted from a few Gin and Terror things, and we will again, no doubt. So this is page 21. Historian. We hadn't yet said words of commitment, but went to lunch at Jimmy Watson's, usually too expensive for students. Loud lawyers at the bar. We find a corner of the courtyard next to two academics in quiet conversation. We share boulevards, aioli, crusty bread and glasses of French chablis. We talk of everything, pour more wine. We are silent, over here. Marsden, MacArthur, Macquarie. And you whisper, that's Manny. I am not sure. All grey-bearded historians look alike. The Boulevard is rich and sweet. The wine is stony dry. Your eyes are an impossible intermixture of green and brown. When he leaves, the man who might be Manning Clark offers us the rest of his wine, says, I couldn't help noticing the way you've been intertwining fingers. I like that. Random acts of affection. This is one for um, all poets and their children from the best poems, Australian Poems 2010. I'm now looking at the very last poem in this collection. It's by a lady this time, which I'm very pleased. Her name is Fiona Wright. She's been published in journals and anthologies in Australia, Asia and the United States. Her first collection is forthcoming in 2011. That's Fiona Wright with a W. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> to the Children of Poets, page 212 and 213. 
To the children of poets, on behalf of all poets, I apologise. I apologise for your obscure literary names that you'll spend a lifetime spelling out or at the very least explaining and helping people to pronounce. I apologise for your vocabulary. Your classmates won't find it endearing or quaint. I apologise for the unwanted help you'll get on your English homework and for the years of books as birthday presents when all you really want is an Xbox and how you might not have a TV or a microwave or be allowed to eat at McDonald's. I'm sorry for the evenings when you'll have to, you will have toast for dinner because your parents have been writing and the weeks where you'll eat nothing but black plums because they read about them somewhere and they sounded so delicious. I apologise for the nights their friends will wake you with bad puns and arguments over a colon and for the blue cheese left to fester on the table overnight. I apologise for the boring lunches even if you do manage to snatch free wine and for the strange skin conditions you'll contract in second-hand bookshops. I'm sorry for the ugly boots and textured jumpers that will greet you at the school gates and for the endless cups of tea you'll be so good at making. To the children of poets, I apologise for the imaginations you'll inherit and hope you grow to be a dentist or a banker, or a plumber, and we'll be able to afford good nursing homes. Thanks very much. Graham Farron is the former proprietor of Mumford's Books here in Bega. He's also an artist and a member of Bega's Historical Society. We catch up with him every week to find what little treasure he's found from the past of the Bega Valley. five years on the far south coast of New South Wales have been tough. Droughts, floods, two serious fires, and then COVID. We've talked about it before. There has, however, been one strong positive to come from this whole experience. Through this, we've learnt to turn to the community that we live in and perhaps be a bit more local in our attitude. We get to know our neighbours we buy local produce, we get ourselves involved in local issues and events, something that had perhaps been lacking in a lot of communities around first world countries. One great local example of this is the community of Kalaroo. In September of last year, Kalaroo local David Winkworth had noticed that after the Tathra fire, people in that community had started to relax. And while perhaps that's good, they'd potentially fallen back into patterns where they weren't paying enough attention to things like leaves in their gutters and the state of the grass around their house. They weren't perhaps as fire aware as a community should be 
having just been through recent fires. With that in mind, David organised a community meeting in Kalaroo and was surprised by the fact that 30 people showed up. Off the back of that meeting, David went about collecting email addresses that he used to send out regular reminders of things that needed to be done around the house in getting fire ready. Just months after that started to happen, fires ripped down the east coast of Australia, causing what we now refer to as the Black Summer. The Kalaroo and District Newsletter, a monthly publication that's sent out by email, has now been running for over a year. And what started as an email list about fire preparedness now includes articles on the history of Blackfellas Lake, a recent discovery about historic bricks on the current Kalaroo-Tarthra bike path, the story of Tarthra Wharf, and the relationship between Kalaroo and Tarthra in its early days. I caught up with David Winkworth recently to find out how in an era where we focus on Facebook groups, this community has decided to run with an email mailing list and newsletter. We estimate now that we've got a circulation over 500 in, in the local area, so it has grown exponentially. And I thought, wow, we've just created a newsletter. <laughs> and, and so I wrote something out and piled it all up in the local coffee shop and people took it and people got on board and people sent in email addresses and people took all the paper copies. So we ended up printing about uh, 140 paper copies just on my little printer, which was groaning <laughs> under the effort, yes. and, and went from there. But now we've gone all digital and, and things are just snowballing. And it's, it's not a little one-page um, information about when the next market is. This is sort of 11, 12, 13 pages of information, letters to council, what local people are doing, what, what's happening on the roads in the district, and it's just been fantastic. Does it surprise you that there's that kind of interest in something that's that small as far as just localising to that community? Well, it did. It did, and uh, it just got more and more work, and I'm very happy to have Andrew McPherson, the local fellow, giving me a hand. So we sort of share the editorial duties. And our coverage extends not just around Kalaroo, but uh, to parts of Tartra, down to Bonda, Wallagoot, and all that area. And a major focus of our newsletter is uh, bushfire notes. So every month we write notes about things that people can do to prepare for bushfires. And of course, last year everything went pear shaped. With the fires started up north and then came down to us. And luckily for us, we didn't burn. But, so there's a patch of green around Kalaroo and Bega and we're just hoping it stays that way. But, but we're not sitting back and, no. and, and sort of saying, well, this is for the RFS. We're trying to do our own thing. We're trying to take the load off the RFS. It goes further. I mean, the, the, the fire education stuff is really very important, of course, but it goes further than that, though, doesn't it? What kind of stories have you found through the years? Well, it's, it's, it's local identities, and a major part of it has been uh, um, historical notes. And uh, one of our, our local residents, Margaret Evans, uh, she's written several books on the history of Kalaroo. And we're now looking at Aboriginal occupation of Blackfellows Lake, 
or as it was called, Lake Cohen. And the things that are coming out are just terrific. And we're now looking at doing a, a sort of walk around history with uh, notes provided to tourists to go walking and say, well, this used to be the school and this used to be the post office. And, and talking to Margaret, she tells me that Tartra was just a wharf. Mm. Kalaroo was the centre where horses, graze horses, were hitched up. Um, people went to school. Land was easy to build on there. In reading the most recent edition, I was amazed to learn that there's been some archaeological discoveries in the development of the bike path between Tartra and Kalaroo. Yes, that, that, shut the, uh, that shut the bike path work down for a little while. Although, uh, speaking to Andrew this morning, he said, I, I think they're now running the bike path around that discovery of old bricks. And How old? Well, we don't know yet. I've got to, for the next edition, I've got to go and interview a local archaeological group that have set up office in Tartra. So we'll see what we can find out. But as Margaret Evans said, in the early days, if, if people were building a house, they didn't want to have to transport bricks from miles and miles around. So they made their own just from, from local clay. And I guess that's part of where the brickworks in Kalaroo came from too then. Yes, it did. And that has moved over the years, as I found out recently. It was over on the other side of, of Tartra Road and then um, moved over to its present site um, some years after it started there. So there, there are things to find out. And, and, and we have to do this. It's, uh, if we don't do it, it's going to get overrun with development. We now have three major subdivisions going ahead and the population is growing very fast. So suppose we're a bit of a lobby group. We don't want to get left behind. So, so we're talking to council about, uh, you know, maybe could you please drop the speed limit through our village? Could we have a footpath that goes right through the village? And mm. I, I think we've, um, we've got a sympathetic ear in council too, so I'm very pleased about that. So, yeah. Have you noticed a, a growth in interest in your... Lo- people from your local community being a part of your local community as a result of things like COVID? Well, the newsletter has brought people together. People say, wow, this, we've now got a little sense of community. So that's going really well. We've put things in the newsletter where um, we've offered to do people shopping for them or to help them clean out their gutters. Um, people are a bit unsteady getting up on a ladder. We advise them not to do it. So, so those sorts of things. There hasn't been a lot of take-up of that sort of offer, but it's there. And, and people have got in touch with me and said, I'm available to help if you want to put my name in the newsletter, that sort of thing. So that's great. You're obviously looking to people around the community to add more content to this newsletter how do people get involved the easiest way is just to telephone me or to email me and if anyone's looking for me they just have to go to the coffee shop in Kalaroo and uh, they've got my details there that's the easiest way same deal if people want to get added to the the list for this uh, newsletter yep very easy yep once you have my mobile number all they've got to do is uh, is text in their email address and they're on the list you've also made the decision to kind of take the next step i note that you are in the process of trying to get a grant to be able to put this thing online as a website yes well this is this is andrew's initiative and um a, a um, 
a grant was offered by um, Bega Valley Council, which for which we put in an application, so that we can do a digital newsletter that is huge megabytes, but they don't have to be emailed out because we found problems with the size of the newsletter going out via email that some servers won't allow it. Mm. So if we can put it or put all the newsletters on a website, people can just, they'll just get the link every month and they click on the link and it opens up, takes them through to the website and there's the newsletter. All right. Um, what's planned next? What, what's in the next episode, in the next edition? What can we expect? Well, it's a Christmas one. So um, we're going to do a bit of a summary of the year. There's more bushfire notes as we approach the bushfire season. I sort of like to have a focus every month. Um, we also have the, the big blackboard down at uh, Evans Park where we, we write sort of tips and notes for people that pass through. So uh, this month it's all about soaker hoses. I'm in love with soaker hoses. <laughs> Just a, a very simple way to wet your fences and wet around the house and uh, have it spraying on walls and that sort of thing. Uh, there'll be more on the, um, the bike track and... Uh, there will be um, some results on um, contact with council. So, a newsletter as business as usual, I suppose you'd say. Yeah. It must be concerning for someone in a place like Kellaroo noticing. I'd imagine that the, the amount of rain that we've had in the last few months makes people perhaps feel a little bit too confident about their safety around fires. Well, I, I, I've. Um written about that a few times and I, I talked to some of the, the, the senior RFS people and, uh, and, and locals who have been in the RFS for, for a long time and there's absolutely a note of caution about grass fires and mm. of, course, of course with the, the Panooka swamp system there's a lot of grass there and it's growing profusely and in summer that grass is going to dry out and, and grass fires move at phenomenal speed. So, um, you know, someone, a local, could be working in Bega and they get a notification about a bushfire approaching the village and before they could get home, it'd be through the village. So, so vigilance is definitely the key there. And we really don't want complacency. David Winkworth is the founder and co-editor of the Kalaroo and District Network newsletter. A new edition is released at the start of each month and you can find details on how to be included on that mailing list at indymedia.com.au. You've been listening to The Local Update, a podcast looking at local issues, events and personalities from around the Bega Valley. My thanks to David Winkworth, my guest for this week, and my regular contributor, Graham Farron. Indie Media recognises the Yuan people as the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. You can subscribe to The Local Update as a podcast using your favourite podcast provider and you can find all the details you need on this episode and prior episodes at indymedia.com.au. Don't forget you can catch The Local Update on 93.7 Edge FM, community radio around the Bega Valley, every Sunday morning at 11am. If you live in the region and have story ideas, check out the website indymedia.com.au. You can submit story ideas there and contact me directly. My name's Indy Wood. Thank you for your time this week. I'll catch you again next time. Bye now.